Uh, we're going to start out today with our community question, and today we're going to break off into uh, groups of one or two, so find someone near you that you can talk uh, through this with. And our question for today is on letting go. Uh, have you ever had to let go of something, uh, an idea, a bad habit, a car, an apartment? Uh, have you ever had or needed to let go of something? What, the, what was that like? Was it bad? Was it good? Take, talk to a neighbor for a few minutes. Have you ever needed to let go of something? Does anybody want to volunteer, kick us off? Yeah, I think I needed to let go of the idea that I was going to be a professional baseball player. That was, <laughs> that was definitely something I needed to let go of. wasn't going to happen for me. Uh, just fine. I'm still getting over that, but... Uh, no, I'll make it to the bigs one day. Anybody else? What? Am I the only one going to be vulnerable this morning? No one's had to let go of anything? You lost track of all the things that you needed to let go of? Yeah. What was that? Oh, let go of the past? Yeah, yeah. Expectations, yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, I'm sure most parents can relate to that feeling of having to let go of their their kid when they get to that age. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, Don. Mm. That's a that's a really good one. Overcoming the f- fear of something or uh, the emo- like kind of consistent bubbling of uh, emotional worry. That's a that's really good. Yeah, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, I've been thinking a lot about letting go. And then uh, the lectionary text for this week, the, the gospel, actually, we've been going through the gospel of Mark, if you've been here, and they uh, did the baptism text again. So we just did that a few weeks ago. So uh, this morning's lectionary text is going to be out of Genesis, and it's the back half of Noah and the flood story. So most of, it's a very famous story if you've ever spent any time in, in church. And it's uh, Genesis 9, uh, 8 through 17. So we're going to be reading that back half. Uh, but there's uh, this Babylon Bee article. Has anybody ever read the Babylon Bee? It's like the onion for uh, Christian things. It's hilarious if you should look it up. Uh, but there's this article that I saw this past week. Uh, it says, God decides to cut all toxic people out of his life. 7.5 billion people dead. Um, and I thought that was hilarious. Uh, the article goes on for this. I want to read this quote. After browsing a Huffington Post blog on relationship advice, God decided it was finally time to take a stand for his personal boundaries and no longer allow negative influences into his thought life. One angel said in a press conference to nobody in particular, it's not you, it's him. He just really needed to spend a little more time on his self-care, not giving any toxic people the time of day anymore. So there you go. Uh, That's going to be our our funny backdrop for uh, this Noah uh, and the flood text. Uh, It's Lent. This Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of looking through... uh, they go through and do God's promises for the first three weeks of Lent. So that's kind of where we're heading. And uh, the Genesis 9 text will be uh, where we start. Verse 8. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, 
I am now setting up my covenant with you, with your descendants, and with every living being with you, with the birds, with the large animals, and with all the animals of the earth, leaving the ark with you. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will all life be cut off by the floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the symbol of the covenant that I'm drawing up between me and you and every living thing with you on behalf of every future generation. I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be a symbol of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember the covenant between me and you and every living being among the creatures. Floodwaters will never again destroy will destroy all creatures. The bow will be in the clouds, and upon seeing it, I will remember the enduring covenant between God and every living being of all the earth's creatures. God said to Noah, this is the symbol of the covenant that I have set up between me and all of the creatures on the earth. Okay, even just reading that, I read that a bunch this week, uh, it's so interesting to me that it reads like wedding vows. Like he, God repeats over and over and over that I'm setting up this covenant with you and what? All living things, right? It, 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 God says this over and over. The text says this over and over. And it's, it's really interesting how, um, how it's kind of poetic in that, in that way. Um, God says never again. Uh, this full text uh, we've talked about this on Wednesday nights uh, because we are going through the What is the Bible and the Noah flood story is, is one that uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And what was um, the backdrop for this text is the fact that most ancient cultures in the, in the sort of uh, Near East would have had flood narratives that said generally the same thing, right? All the people were destroyed by this big flood, and usually it was because uh, the gods or the god in the story was somehow angry. It was always put as this vengeance from the gods onto humankind. And this story then enters the scene and there's a shift. So if we think of reading this kind of like we read a parable, it's expectation, expectation, where's the twist? And the main twist of the flood story is what we just read. The twist is everybody that would have been the original audience to this text would have recognized the flood story. Oh yeah, I know this story. Oh, I know this story. And then God makes the covenant in this story. God has this strange promise. It's for me, it's like, um, you know, the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and 2. God creates uh, all living things, and it was good, and it was good. And there's this kind of repetition of God creating and it being a good creation. And I see this story in Genesis 9, just, you know, a few chapters later, as uh, the Hebrew way of saying, no, God is doubling down on the good creation that God created. It's not about this flood narrative that God has come to, to wipe everyone out, you know, 7.5 billion dead, that type of thing. It's actually the opposite message that the, uh, the, uh, the author is trying to communicate here, that God is calling creation into a life of flourishing, that it's not only uh, humans, but it's all creation that God is calling into a flourishing life. 
there's an interesting symbol in this uh, text that uh, is often um, remembered as the children's story. There's this rainbow, right? You see this in, like, nurseries have, you know, this, the rainbow and the ark and the animals. It's really nice, right? Um, what I was really fascinated with, though, is this idea that the symbol is a bow. In our reading today, it says, I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be a symbol of the covenant between me and the earth. Uh, this word for bow is, uh, and, and Robert probably knows uh, way more than I do since he's, uh, you know, knows the uh, Hebrew uh, language uh, much uh, closer than I do. But this word for bow is actually a, a bow, uh, like a weapon. And God places the bow in the clouds. This symbol that the gods uh, would have u- previously used as a warfare against humans, uh, God actually hangs God's weapon of warfare in the clouds, uh, re-instituting uh, peace on earth. This idea that uh, the gods at the time would have been these gods of warfare, uh, especially against uh humankind in the story of the flood. But this God, the Hebrew God, Yahweh, is a different kind of God. This God actually hangs the weapon in the clouds. I have placed my bow in the clouds. What's interesting is this is uh, God's reminder for for God. Uh, This is a promise on behalf of God to the earth, to people, that the bow is... um, placed in the clouds. Uh, Laura and Ernie, I was over there on Thursday, and they have um, these things in their house. They have tons of them, and Ernie's collected them for years. I think we have a slide of that, Julie. Um, they're World War II, and he actually has some World War I, but they're uh, trench art, and they would take these uh, massive sh- shell casings in uh, World War I and World War II, and the soldiers would turn them into these beautiful works of art, and you can kind of see, um, theirs actually look a lot like this. Uh, I forget the, they're like a malleable brass, most of them, and uh, they write, uh, a lot of times the ones that Ernie and Laura have, they'll have the the battle or kind of the location, sometimes they'll have flowers and and someone's name on it, and I thought it was this really sort of uh, modern picture of taking something that was uh, used as a weapon and turning it into a piece of art, turning it into something beautiful. Uh, and it reminded me of this text that God takes what was a symbol of warfare against humanity, uh, something that's used uh, for, for people to kill other humans, and God actually places that in the clouds. And if God places that weapon in the clouds, uh, where are we called uh, to, how are we called to view our weapons of warfare? Uh, it's really bizarre. There's a lot of uh, statistics out there when it comes to uh, modern-day uh, weapons and, and guns. Uh, many of you probably know that we're uh, roughly 4% of the population, yet we have over 42% of the world's civilian-owned firearms. Um, we, have, um, we have a weapon problem as a country and a society. Uh, I don't think that's uh, news probably to anyone here. Uh, two weeks ago, our country decided 
that we weren't going to continue our reduction of weapons of mass destruction, uh, that we were actually going to reintroduce uh, new weapons of mass destruction as a, as a nation, uh, our Secretary of Defense said, uh, we need to look reality in the eye. We need to see the world as it is and not as we wish it to be. Let me just say right there, that's like the, that is an anti-Christian message uh, completely. Uh, he says, we need to see the world as it is and not as we wish it to be. Uh, this is the absolute opposite, antithetical uh, move to the story that we just read, where God actually hangs the bow in the clouds. You see this, uh, the Israelites struggle with their um, understanding of God, and you, you see the development of our theological understanding of God throughout history. Uh, we typically, it's really easy to create God in our own image, right? So you see all, all sorts of ancient cultures, even uh, in our tradition, where uh, God resembles the violence that we experience. So we experience the world as violent and chaotic, and the gods often mirror that, and they justify, in many ways, our violence. Like, we just portray God as just a bigger version of our own reality. Uh, what is fascinating with the Jewish evolution of, their, of our religious consciousness in uh, the Jew- Judeo-Christian tradition is God that is continually making this move towards justice, peace, harmony, and calling us into that reality, exactly the world as it should be, God's reality, um, not the reality of violence and chaos of humans uh, killing and murdering other humans. Uh, God's reality calls us into peace, and God demonstrates that even early on in the book of Genesis by hanging this weapon of warfare in the clouds. Uh, Right now, we have over 1,400 deployed strategic nuclear weapons, and we have over uh, 4,480 total nuclear weapons um, that could obviously annihilate um, humankind several times over. Uh, We have a weapons problem. So, Christian family, how are we living in covenant with God? How does this view of God in the Genesis text change or impact the way we relate to the world today? Um, These verses, I think, also have uh, tremendous ecological implications uh, because we know that the industrial and technological revolution of the last 200, 100 years or so um, has created uh, a really untenable situation for God's creation. And this text, like I said earlier, continually makes the move about God loving the earth and loving the universe, not only us people, human beings, but all of the earth and all of the living things. Uh, and we have done a really poor job as uh, you know, uh, species to take care of the earth in that way. Um, uh, NASA Climate Change, um, they talk about specifically the last 35 years We've experienced the most warming, and maybe some of you have have seen this graph or or something similar, Uh, but this is the CO2 emissions over the course of human history, uh, and even then some, the the history of the earth. So this is, it starts at 400,000 years ago, if you see that. So you can see the the patterns of CO2 levels um, kind of go up and down, and then right there you can see kind of the last uh, 2,000 years or so. Um, but all of that warming uh, from, from really 1950 to the current level um, has spiked tremendously. Um, this is 
the way that we have now related to God's creation. So as, as Christians, we have to really consider um, the implications of the ways in which we live and move and, and have our being in the world. Um, <clears throat> so what do we need to let go of this Lenten season? I've been thinking a lot lately about um, there's this kind of letting go that's actually more of an embrace. It's, it's counterintuitive because what initially seems like a loss is, is actually a gain. Uh, losing the bow in order to make space for peace. Um, I think it's difficult to embrace uh, the God of the Bible because it's, it's this movement uh, towards peace that God actually hangs God's bow up. It's God's weapon. Um, and wants the flourishing of all living creatures. Uh, but we experience the world as messy and sinful, and things like, um, you know, Parkland, Florida shooting happen all the time. Like Robert said, we've had 18 shootings, uh, one almost uh, every other day uh, this um, year, this school, every other day for um, school days in this year we've had a school shooting. We have... Um, we have a violence problem in our country that's really unlike anything else. And not only do we have to find uh, you know, practical solutions, we have to come together and be creative, um, but this has tremendous theological implications because we have to consider the ways in which um, God is calling us into a more peaceful reality. Um, and this is not a, um, a different kind of pull ourself up by our own bootstraps kind of uh, progressivism, uh, but we live into the grace and freedom of Jesus Christ in order to free us up into a life that calls our full being into peace, right? Not that we say, oh, we got to do this, this, and this, and we create a new form of morality that we have to attain to as Christians, but it is actually the freedom of grace that calls us into this life of the flourishing of all living things. So we see this reversal, God making a promise to creation as opposed to destroying creation. God calling creation and us good. Uh, We think a lot of times on Ash Wednesday and during the Lenten season, it's this move to say that we're sort of like bad sinners and we're bad people and we wear the ash on our forehead as as a symbol of sorrow and repentance. Uh, that's a, a little bit of a misunderstanding of the point that God actually calls us good. We experience the world, we experience suffering, we experience tragedy, but God is calling us good, and God calls us into the grace and acceptance of love. So I hope as a society that we too will hang our bows in the clouds as a symbol of the covenant that we make with, with God and each other. May we seek the flourishing of every living thing with the way that we live. And may we ask ourselves continually, what is God calling us to let go of during the season in order that we might live into more freedom and more grace? What can we and what should we hang in the clouds that will create a little more peace, a little more flourishing? And may we realize that letting go is actually really gaining the freedom of the life that God desires for all of us. Let's pray.